The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, support for today's show comes from Prep Dish, a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. No more thinking about your meals. Let Prep Dish do the planning for you. Guys, this would be a great service to add to your life when school starts. Sign up and you're going to receive an email every week with a grocery list, prep ahead instructions so that all your meals are ready for the week. No guesswork needed. Right now, Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, is offering you $4 for a month-long trial. That's right. You get to try it out for only a dollar a week. Go to prepdish.com slash happy hour to get your first month of prep dish for only $4. Guys, you are listening to episode number 205. And my guest for today is Suzanne Stabil. And let me tell you that you are going to love this show. I know I say that all the time because every show we make is so wonderful. I really love chatting with Suzanne. She was one of my favorite guests I've ever gotten to interview. I think I'm a big fan of hers, and so that helped as well, but also her wisdom and her graciousness, it blew me away. She also was super engaging to me as I talked to her, and so super honored to sit down with her. If you don't know what this Enneagram stuff is, I'd advise you to go and pick up both of Suzanne's books to dive into this Enneagram work. Even if you don't know what it is, you're still going to appreciate today's show and enjoy it. Suzanne also has a podcast of her own that I'd encourage you to listen to if you want to know more and more and more about Enneagram work. Today, we talk about why the Enneagram is important in our relationships. We also dive into how this works out in our parenting. And if you happen to be an adoptive mama or you were adopted yourself, you're going to find some special treasures in this episode. Also, if you are a six or a two, you're going to love this especially more because Suzanne's a two and I'm a six. So we hit on those numbers a lot. And did you know that there are certain numbers that don't like to be hugged? I'll give you a clue. It's not me. I love hugs. But Suzanne's going to tell us all about it. You guys that are in our summer book club, you asked for more book clubs, and so we are extending the book club through the month of September. One more book club for all of us happy hour listeners. I really hope that you're reading Just Mercy right now with us this month. I'm loving this book all over again for my second time of reading. Just Mercy is a must read for every American. I know that's a bold statement, but I stand behind it. I'm really serious. You can join us whenever you want to. Jump in and read with us this summer. Next month, we're reading a book that I'm quite fond of. Come find us over on Facebook and or Instagram to join. Facebook is easy. jamieivy.com slash Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy. All right, you guys, here is my sweet, amazing, wisdom-filled, gracious-filled conversation with Suzanne Stabil. Suzanne, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to be here. I told you earlier that people ask me well, I mean, you know this, you do interviews, you you travel. I'm sure you get mostly questions about the Enneagram. Obviously, that's your specialty. But whenever I go places and do a Q&A, the number one question people ask me is, what's your number? And for months, I was like, y'all, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then last October, I read The Road Back to You. Yeah. And I took the test online and it told me I was a six. I don't even remember what it said, like a six and a two. And then I read the book and I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not a two. That's for sure. Yeah, be I'm, careful because I am. I'm, I, well, I, but you seem so nice. Two seems like they're just the nicest people. And I'm, I'm nice. We're nice enough. But, you know, the image that we have crafted is that we are always gracious and always generous and that we love everybody. Well, that's why I said, I said I'm not yeah. that. Well, it's not true. Okay, so. <laughs> okay good. Well, and then I started deciding I wanted to be a three. Because people that are three seem to get things done. They seem to be successful. They seem to just have everything together. My husband's a three, so I know that's not true because I live with him. Yeah. But then I read your book, the newest one, The Path Between Us. And I read the six. I cried on the airplane. And I have come to terms that I am truly a six. Yeah. You know, it's 
really interesting because right now one of the things I'm talking about is that I kind of think this is a time in our culture or a season when we really need sixes and nines more than other numbers. And I think there's a season for every number. I think right now is just your time. Why is that? Because sixes are the number on the Enneagram that care about the common good. Mm. And nines are the number that see two sides to everything. And we're really lacking in both. I, I would agree with that statement right there for sure. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think sold me on being a six, when I started to read about the fear, uh huh, and I look back over my life and I thought, I've lived so much of my life in fear. I was hurt as a young child with infidelity by close people that I knew. And so I've been married 17 years. And just in the past five years, I think I believe my husband's not going to leave me. Yeah. It's, It's very important, I think, in Enneagram wisdom to know that fear in sixes is really about anxiety because it's primarily about possible future events. Sixes handle things in real time with grace and courage and all the things that are called for. They worry a lot about the future and what could happen. And then they make plans for what could happen, which uses up an awful lot of their mm-hmm. energy unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will tell you that it's it's so funny. And I bet you hear this often of wanting to be something else and then finally discovering what you are and then resting and going, this is actually true about me. Why do you think sometimes we want to be another number? Well, the Enneagram pretty much is set up to be taught from a negative perspective. And the reason for that, it's actually part of the wisdom. The reason for that is that we don't know ourselves by what we get right. We know ourselves by what we get wrong. It is so true. And we for sure know our internal terrain by what we get wrong. So I got a lot of pressure. Yeah, I've been teaching for 25 years, so I've been at this a long time. But I got a lot of pressure from people in our community in Dallas who wanted a positive Enneagram. And they just pushed on me for six or seven years. And finally, I said, all right, I'll teach one, but we're going to have to offer it for free because people aren't going to know their number. And then we're going to have to do it again for free and invite people to come who were there so they get a chance to know their number. And they said, no, 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 no. Everybody's going to get their number. So I taught, I think probably had 45 or 50 people. And I did an all positive Enneagram day and nobody knew their number. Mm, Because we only know it by what we get wrong. Well, because that's how we know ourselves. I I I don't think that's great. It's just true. So the markers in our lives are places where we messed up or where we felt shame or embarrassment or where other people hurt us. And so when you introduce the Enneagram with the transformed pieces of ourselves, it just doesn't help people identify their number. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Okay. So you're going to take me back though. You said you've been teaching on this for 25 years. Yeah. And I was, and when I read you the first book that you co-authored last fall, it was really the first time I read where the Enneagram came from, how it started, maybe, you know, people might not know. Uh, But I also read in there that there was a little bit of tension with the faith-based community with embracing the Enneagram in the early 70s. Is that, am I correct on that? Correct. So tell me how you started actually learning and then teaching about this and why you think it's important for the faith-based community. Well, a little bit of history that's important is in the 1940s or 50s, Kind of an unusual guy named George Gurdjieff had a school for spiritual wisdom in Europe. And he's kind of the modern grandfather of the Enneagram. And two men who studied under him from South America, Claudio Naranjo and Oscar Ichazo, took the Enneagram back to South America. And then Naranjo came to California in the mid-70s to do a workshop introducing the Enneagram to some Jesuit priests primarily who are spiritual directors and three therapists. And prior to that, there weren't books about the Enneagram. It was an oral tradition that was handed down across faith beliefs, actually, so that there were there were spiritual teachers and spiritual masters who knew it, but they would just teach you your number, mm-hmm. which there's some wisdom in that because you can't do anything about anybody but you. Right. And one of those Jesuit priests was Father Richard Rohr's spiritual director. And he was, my husband is a former Catholic priest. He's now United Methodist pastor. 
And he and Father Rohr had similar experiences in different orders. Rohr is Franciscan and Joe was Vincentian. And Joe just called him one day and said, can my wife and I come visit with you? And it, he said, sure. So we went and he became a mentor for us and a teacher for us and offered us uh, help along our spiritual journeys. And I then started reading his stuff and he had a book out about the Enneagram and I read it and I found myself to be so drawn to it that I couldn't leave it alone. So I found other books and he said, why don't you study it for five years before you talk about it? It's intuitive for you and it's deceptively simple. And I think you could really do something with this if you give it some time. So I did. And can you just tell us what was going on in your personal life this time? Married, I know that, but were you mothering? When Joe and I married, I was a single mom with three children, and he had just left the priesthood at 40. Okay. And we married, and he adopted my three, and we had a fourth. Okay. And we were in ministry in the Methodist Church with four children, and it was a very rich time for us. Most of our years together have been. But I did all of that set up to say that Father Rohr is a leading voice in the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, like every denomination, has uh, a full spectrum of understanding from uh, traditional to progressive. And I think there was a lot of pushback then about the Enneagram in the Catholic community because primarily of Father Rohr's stand on other things. So it wasn't just this. No. Okay. And and I, I think very often in the church, in my experience, working in churches and as a pastor's wife, I would say, that I think when there's church trouble, it's very, very seldom about what it's about. So then we ended up with this little group of people who are saying it's bad, bad, bad. And generally, the people who don't like the Enneagram have three arguments. One, that it puts people in a box. Two, that it's cultic. Three, that it's reductive. Are these current arguments or are you saying these were when it first started in the set? That those were the arguments then. Okay. And there's some of that now. Not so much, I think, but I actually think that's a generational thing. Mm. My children range in age from 30 to 40. And I find that age range to be a little less afraid of thinking about new things and exploring new ideas and making room for other people's experience Mm -hmm. and what other people value. And I think it's because you're less afraid, a little more worldly. And I think that age group has had far more life experience than generations that preceded that. That kind of started in the 60s -hmm. with my generation, but we we, uh, were either for Vietnam or against it. And so we too polarized pretty quick which didn't leave a lot of places to stand. And we also had the civil rights movement to deal with. So we just had a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. And I I think people don't know that the Enneagram is not doctrine and it's not dogma. And my language is it's just true. Mm. So I don't struggle with anybody who doesn't want to learn the Enneagram. My answer to that is okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. And in terms of it being reductive, I think if we can't get our handle on the different ways that we see, what's going on now is not going to get better. Mm. We're so tribal right now, and we're so fragmented, and we're so polarized. And so I think the Enneagram offers us an understanding of nine ways of seeing the world. And it's not reductive that there are only nine ways, because there's a lot that goes on in all of the nine ways. But it would be ridiculous to think that there are 500 worldviews mm-hmm. or 100 ways of seeing the world, that would mean we couldn't get along at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. 
And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. True or false, Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Without, you know, being dismissive of the 25 years that you've put into this, in my worldview, and I'm just not that knowledgeable of things, this seems in the past two years, a lot more people are talking about it. And that's true. That is true. Okay, good. Why do you think that is? You know, I'm I'm not sure I know why anything gains popularity. I'm not counting on it lasting. Enneagram wisdom is deep and it is deceptively simple. And it's most effectively used, I think, in communities. So I teach in hospitals and churches and universities. And what's popular right now is a shortcut. So it's popular to take a quiz online uh Mm -hmm. or to take a test. Mm -hmm. And while I have an enormous amount of respect for some of the Enneagram masters who have tests available, I just don't find it to be reliable. And the reason for that is the, the best test, I think, is the Rizzo and Hudson test. And it's 120 questions, I think, might be 140. But... Every test, in my experience, and I think I've seen all of them, primarily measures behavior. And your Enneagram number is determined by your motivation for your behavior. And it's hard to measure that in an indicator or a test for nine different numbers. Mm -hmm. So I teach it orally, and I teach for 40 minutes on each number. And a high percentage of the people who do a one-day workshop with me know their number when they leave. Mm. And the thing that distinguishes the Enneagram from other systems that are like it is that it's not static. So you can do something with it and you lose that piece of the wisdom and that gift of the Enneagram 
if you think you're a number that you're not. Right. Which I I think that's why I enjoyed the newest book, The Path Between Us, that you released recently. Because for me, it gave me a way to think, okay, so this is a how people might perceive my motivations or my behavior. And then to look, you know, my closest relationship with my spouse. Okay, let me see how. And as I'm reading about him, I'm like, yes, yes. And we, you know, we've been married 17 years. We've learned a lot. We have a lot more to learn, obviously. But I was also encouraged a little bit by seeing things about him that I somehow figured out about him along the way. Sure. And have changed the way I relate to him because I see what he needs. Um, you know, he needs me to tell him that what he's doing matters and that he's good at it. Sure. And sometimes he's a songwriter and I don't understand music. And so frankly, sometimes I don't care, but I have learned mm-hmm. to care. That's right. So that he feels loved. Exactly. Exactly. And so basically you need me teaching with you, Suzanne, because look at me. I'm teaching yes. about how to learn a there three. You go. How to there you three. Go. I'll take you as yeah. my warm-up. <laughs> yes, yes. You can be the warm-up yes. act. But that's I love that so much because even though when I thought, okay, here's my number, I don't know if this says something about me, but I need to know A, what do I do with that? Sure. And B, what does that mean for me? Because I think here's the problem. And you said like if you just learn your number, it doesn't do much for you. Because a lot of times well, I'd love for you to speak into this, how we sometimes can see the negativeness in our m- number and just go, well, this is just who I am. Yeah. I'm just a jerk. Yeah, I don't like that. Right. So, um, you know, it's interesting to me, having lived for 67 years, how if you if you look back at the seasons of life and what people were talking about, there's a connection. So there's a connection, I think to the popularity of the Enneagram at this time and the fact that we're so polarized. Mm. And I think there's a connection to the reality that we are beginning to get curious about how other people see and how other people think because we've divided ourselves into groups where we hang out with people who think just like we do and who see the world just the way we do. And I think we begin to think, well, I wonder if there's a different view of this because things aren't progressing very well. And I think we all kind of want to be better. Relationships have fallen on hard times. And we don't have a lot of tools to um, address the issues that separate us from other folks. And I think the Enneagram is the best. Mm. The best. So I love that you teach this and to communities, you said, which I would think me and my spouse, my husband, it works well for us to know. I've had friends who've said this has transformed our marriage for us to understand each other for the first time. I know why you do that. But I'm interested to hear from you as well as, so say I figure out my number and I told you I'm a six. And so there's fear. And one of the things I really appreciated in here was when you said how to deal with the sixes fear is not to tell them that's dumb. Don't worry about it. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so true because I hate it when my husband says that. Well, that's an irrational fear, Jamie. Get over it. Yeah. That's patronizing. It is yeah. because I really do have that fear. Sure. Um, and so what do we do then when we find out, okay, so these are the negative things that I see in you in your number. Like, well, quote unquote negative. They could be negative, right? Yeah. How do I then deal with my person I do life with, whether that's a workplace environment, a spouse, a child, whatever it might be. What does it look like to say, okay, I'm going to take what you have. I'm going to understand you, Mm -hmm. but we still have to work together. Sure. And I still don't even like this about you. Right. So if you begin to use the language that the Enneagram is about nine ways of seeing, and then you add on to that, that back in the forties and fifties, when The Enneagram was kind of being rebirthed and people were adding ideas to it. A guy named Maurice Nicole, who was a spiritual leader in England, said, you know, there are three centers of intelligence and they're thinking, feeling and doing. And all great religions and philosophies agree with that. If you put that reality on top of the Enneagram, then what you end up with is three numbers that are thinking dominant and three numbers that are feeling dominant, and three numbers that are doing dominant. And that's the first disconnect. Because when I walk in a room, I take in information with feeling. Because you're a two. Right. Okay. And when you walk in a room, you take in information with thinking. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't just jump in and try to 
help somebody by giving advice or doing any of that because you're thinking things through. I don't know this person very well. I don't know this. Well, all I pick up on is feelings. So it's way, way too much to go into. But of thinking, feeling, and doing, one is dominant, but one is also repressed. And when we learn that, it changes our expectations for other people. And in the recovery community, they have a really wise saying that every expectation is resentment waiting to happen. Mm. So we're kind of moving through the world thinking we're all kind of the same, except we're not. Thinking we all process information in kind of the same way, but we don't. And until people learn the Enneagram, they just kind of think that we're all the same, but some of us are just smarter or wiser than others. And so that to me is what's reductive, not the Enneagram. Mm. I think that recovery thing, everyone should get that when they get married too. Expectations is just resentment waiting to happen. Yeah. Waiting right there. (laughs) Guys, I want to take a second real quick to interrupt this conversation I'm having with Suzanne, which I know you're loving. I loved. I already told you, one of my favorite interviews ever. But I want to thank our sponsors because they actually make the happy hour happen. So the first one I think is the Beyond Burger. The Beyond Burger is an uncompromisingly delicious plant-based burger that is packed with protein and better for you and the planet. The Beyond Burger is not your hippie college roommate's veggie burger that you might remember. Instead, it's a sizzling sensation created for meat lovers everywhere. In fact, it's the only plant-based burger that is so meaty it's sold in the meat case at grocery stores nationwide. The Beyond Burger is made from simple ingredients applied in fresh ways. They use protein from peas, potato starch, and coconut oil without gluten, soy, or GMOs. This delicious plant-based Beyond Burger comes with less baggage and more benefits so that you can eat what you love and feel better while doing it. This summer, you guys, add some sizzle to your grill with this revolutionary burger that satisfies even the most ravenous of carnivores. I've had the Beyond Burger and loved it. You guys know at our family, we eat just about everything. And so this fit right in when we were serving meat burgers to our friends. We loved it. If you're ready to taste the future of protein made from plants, visit beyondmeat.com slash happy hour and click the where to find button to locate a retailer near you. That's beyondmeat.com slash happy hour. Okay, guys, I also want to thank another one of our sponsors, and that is Third Love. You guys know I love Third Love so very much. In fact, I'm wearing a Third Love bra right now. Here's what Third Love does. They use thousands of real women's measurements to design its bras with breast size and shape in mind so that they fit impeccably and feel even better. Usually those words don't go with bra shopping, but let me tell you, it's true. Right now, they've added 24 new sizes. Third Love offers the most options of any brand, a total of 70 different sizes, you guys. Here's what happens is you're going to find your fit in 60 seconds online. You're going to order it, try it on at home with 3rd Love's Fit Finder quiz. It's actually kind of fun and takes less than a minute. So there's no more awkward fitting room experiences, you guys, where people are touching you in places that you don't want to be touched. This is hands down the most comfortable bra that you're going to own. From premium ultra soft smoothing fabrics to expert design features like straps that don't slip, the details surely do make the difference with these bras. Guess what? The labels are even tagless. Who hates those labels? I do, so it's not itchy. Because Third Love guarantees a perfect fit, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners, that is you because you're listening to the happy hour, 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash Jamie now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Jamie for 15% off today. Okay, back to my conversation with Suzanne. Okay, so I have this question about, you have four children. Yes. I have four children. Yeah, but I have seven grandchildren. Oh. And one on the way. And that is what makes you super excited, I can tell. Yeah, it does. Is, is raising grandchildren more fun than, I think I know the answer to this, than raising kids? Well, you know, I'm not raising my grandchildren. That's exactly right. And I hope <laughs> that I'm not raising mine either. Yes. Yeah. Having grandchildren for Joe and me, the best word I can find is, it's just a delight. They're so interesting. And they're all so different from mm-hmm. one another. And luckily, they all have really good parents. What do they call you? Grams. Grams. And what about your husband? Granddaddy. Grams and granddaddy. Yeah. 
I love that. Pretty good. I would you want know, to come to Graham's and Granddaddy's house if I was a little kid. Well, our house is not a great place to come. Why? We have lived in parsonages and in houses that were really small for always. And Joe and I have just moved and we have some treasures that people have given us over the years. And we only have one bedroom. And we have much more fun with our grandchildren at their houses. Okay. Because at our house, there's a lot of no. Mm-hmm. And that's not true at their houses. Yeah. And we also think that we know them better. In their own environment? When we're in their homes with them than when we're other places with them. So I... um wanted more than anything to be a mother. I'm an adopted child. Mm -hmm. And lots of adopted girls think that having a baby's going to solve those, solve everything. Uh And I'm going to tell you, it helped. Really? It helped me. I was old enough to have babies, but it helped me. But I was a really good mom, hands-on, always there, supported every activity. I cooked two meals a day. I'm not a breakfast person. Like I did it. And this is my time. And I don't babysit. And that's really hard for some people to take in. You know, I, people have said, you know, when you're on a podcast, you should say that that you're like, you just do all of that because you're a two. And I say, actually, I should say that I don't do that because I'm a healthy two. Mm. So I had two foster kids. I've raised six kids. And I'm going to love these grandbabies and love my children as adults. But Joe and I are going to travel a little and I travel for work and it's kind of my turn. Mm, you put the work in. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about using the Enneagram with children? What does that look like? I have a, a girlfriend the other day who was telling me something and she's like, I think my son's really a four. And my husband sent me a text the other day and said, I think Deacon's a one. And just what is what do you think that looks like for us as parents to put this on our kids? Are they too young? Is it easy? Because sometimes I see... Well, I see all my kids' weaknesses really clear. You know, they're right there in the house all day long. When do you think this starts to play out? You're not going to like the answer. Starts to play out. It's well determined by the time they're five. And I don't think they should be taught the Enneagram until they're 16. Okay, so my kids are 14, 12, 12, and 10. Okay. You think I could look at all of them and see where they're coming from? Because I think that I could too, but I didn't know if you have a lot of life between, you know, Yeah, I'm an Enneagram master teacher, and I've been studying for years and teaching for 25. And I thought my son, who is a four on the Enneagram, was a two until he was a freshman in high school. And then I went, "Uh oh, 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 he's a four. So here's what I have to say about all that. There's a lot of desire to use the Enneagram in parenting. And I get that, and I'm respectful, and we used it. We used it first, though to work on ourselves. So the, if you want to use the Enneagram for parenting, then be the healthiest person you can be in your number. So that's step one. It's popular right now. People want to do the best for their children and they want to use the Enneagram. And I decided that that's not mine to do. But my daughter, Joey, who's known the Enneagram for more than half of her life, she's 40 and she's known it since she was 19. She and her husband, Billy, are going to develop Enneagram programs for parents and they're going to roll out the first one this summer in August uh, with my approval. With little kids, I have used some Enneagram wisdom in the post-adoptive community because I felt like they needed me to be an advocate for them in some way because adopted children struggle to be honest with their parents, which cuts out a pretty important part of childhood and growing up. But we use animals instead of numbers. And uh, it worked pretty well. Mm. I will say that they chose animals that I would have thought they were in observing lots of them. Wow. So I definitely think there's something there. And I'm going to put my stamp of approval on somebody who I know is doing that work cautiously. And they respect me enough that I say, if I say, no, 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 you Mm -hmm. can't do that, they won't. That's Joey and Billy. Yeah. So it's coming. And I think it'll be great. I just don't think it's mine to do. 
It's interesting that you mentioned adoption. Three of my kids joined our family through adoption. And there's no way that you would have known that. So yeah. So as you're saying this, I'm thinking about a conversation I recently had with one of my kids who is 12 and a half and we adopted him domestically, have a relationship with his birth mom, open adoption. And it was Mother's Day. And we were talking just about how Mother's Day might be hard for some kids or for some mothers. That's what we're talking about. And we're like, well, who it might be hard for? And And he mentioned that it might be hard for moms who had to place their kids for adoption. Right. And I said, it's so true. I said, does it make you think about, I said her name about, you know, and he said, yeah. And then he kind of started crying a little bit. And he said, mom, I don't want to hurt your feelings right. when I think about her. Right. And so I cried and told him, you can always think about her. We love her. You can be sad that she's not your mom and happy that I am at the same time. Sure. And so I can see how the adoption world changes a lot of things with personalities because that little boy has been through something that my biological son, he'll never even have to think about. That's right. And so it changes and alters. So that leads me to ask you this, since we're talking about adoption and I feel that some of my things that I come out from a six are from past experiences. Sure. When you're looking at your number and you're trying to figure out where I am, can you ever, this is going to feel like the dumbest question I've ever asked my entire life, okay? But okay. please tell me, I'm sure you've no heard it before. No such thing as a dumb question. Okay, here we go. Can you ever change numbers in your lifetime based on experience? Okay. No. No. But here's what happens. So that it's not a dumb question because there is a differentiation that happens. <laughs> it's just not a differentiation between numbers. So uh, your number's pretty pretty well honed by the time you're five. five. Yeah, right? that, I find that so interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to think about that for a while. Yeah. So, but the reality is that in your number, what distinguishes the Enneagram is that you can be healthy or average uh-huh. or unhealthy or in excess in your number or pathological in your number. What I don't, what is that? Um, when I'm only with clinicians. Okay. I do Enneagram work with them to... Help them connect the Enneagram to therapeutic practices and counseling, okay. none of which are my expertise. So I don't even talk about it unless I'm with only therapists. Mm-hmm. And that way they can correct me and mm-hmm. do all the things that yeah. need to happen, right? Yeah. But excess in your number is what happens when you experience trauma. And so the reason we think that you could be a different number at a different time is because in trauma, you behave in excess in your number which distorts the reality of the number that you are and it distorts who you can be with some work. It's just a, it's a very distorted place. And once people have an opportunity to do some work around that, then as they kind of move up into unhealthy and then up into the bottom half of average and then on up, then they recognize that the motivation for behavior has been the same all the way through the behavior has changed because the trauma is healing or has been healed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever, wherever yeah. you might be in that process. But it, it doesn't leave you without the effect of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And adoption was a lot different in the 1950s. But mm-hmm. I was born in 1950 and adopted. And so my thing at 67 is I still sometimes think people are going to leave me. Mm. A lot of my stuff is around like you're going to go, aren't you? Like you're, you're not going to stay or they, they're going to leave or they're, you know, if I'm in mm-hmm. unhealthy space, then I'm real close to all the things that I thought then. Mm. That breaks my heart. For my it's, kids, you yeah. know, I think about that. And, yeah. you know, I, I, we want to give them such security sure. in their home and in our relationships. And I had all of that. But it makes me also think that we can give and give and give and there's yeah. just something that we can't fill. There's not. So, you know, one of my new lines for the last three or four years about adoption is there are some things you're never not. Mm-hmm. And adoption's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think parents who adopt children need to know that there's going to be a hole there always. And that's okay. The best thing to do is let there be a hole in those kids as opposed to thinking that, that there's not that there's not or that you can fill it because you can be the best parent in the world and they're still adopted. Yep. Yep. I, one thing I learned in my last de- decade was love does not heal all wounds. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I think I thought that going into adoption, we were very naive. My husband and I, we did not know anyone else that had adopted. And yeah. I mean, we met people, you know, people ask us, did you always know you were going to adopt? No, we, we never even had that conversation. So we had yeah. already birthed the child and we see it around us. And 
we adopted domestically first. And then our next two kids came home from Haiti. Yeah. Very difficult situations, endured lots of traumatic events. And, and none of that in, goes away. And I went in naive saying, oh, we'll just love them. Right. And then everything we will just be one big happy family. Yeah. And eight years later, you know, it took about five years for me to learn. Yeah. My love's not enough. Oh. Well, maybe your love is enough, but it's just not the only thing they need. It can't heal those wounds. No, it can't. It can't. You it know? can't. But nothing... We kind of started with you talking about some of your own wounding and nothing heals that. It still hurts. Absolutely. I cried when I was reading you talk about how the fear right. of a six of, I think it was you, you were talking about yourself when finally your husband said to you, That's I'm it. never going to, in fact, I think I even marked it because That's it. it made me, I'm going to go there. So I cried on the play and I cried again this weekend. You want me just to tell it? <laughs> go ahead and tell it. That'd even be better. All right. This is what got me. Because it's one of my own personal fears. Okay. Well, I don't know why God decided that my children, the three oldest and I, could have this unbelievably wonderful and holy human being come into our life and say, I want you. All of you. All of you. Mm -hmm. But it happened. And I love him so much after 30 years of marriage that it still kind of takes my breath away sometimes. And the first... My first marriage was very complicated. And the first few years of our marriage, I, I used to just go ahead and talk about Joe leaving. So I thought, well, then he'll just go ahead and do it and we can get it over with. Kind of prepare your heart. Yeah. And he's so, he's real good looking. Like he, he has it all going on. Uh-huh. And I just was always trying to prepare myself because I often think I'm not enough. And so I kept saying to him, I, I know you're, you're going to leave. You're going to leave, aren't you? You're going to leave, aren't you? And after several years of that, one day he just stopped me and he said, you know, I, I don't quite know what to do. I, I love you with all my heart. I love our life together. I love the children. I love how we live and how we are together in ministry. And I show up every day. So I don't have anything else to offer you in terms of security that I'm not leaving. So now the work is on your side of the fence and you're just going to have to figure out how to believe that. And that was a turning point in our marriage. Yeah. I told you earlier that happened to us as well. You know, yeah. where I just, it, it was no longer Aaron. He couldn't convince me anything. You're right. There's nothing else they could no, do. It's it was on me our, having to go. Work. Okay. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. You know, and as a six, sometimes I do still think about. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I am much more trusting now. And I've learned that. Well, and you know, for you and me, for you as a six and for me as a two, you also have to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not just about trusting him. And your issue in life is that you don't trust yourself. Yeah. And mine is that I have to believe that I'm enough and that I'm wanted and that I'm loved. And nobody can do that work for you. Yeah. Mm. Well, I got tears in my eyes. I told you I was going to cry. <laughs> um, I know you probably don't because, and I think that would be bad of you, but do you have a favorite number? Uh, well, I do. I, I, I never thought of it being bad of me. <laughs> well, but. I just thought maybe it would be bad to the rest of us, the, yeah. others, the other eight. No, no, I do have a favorite number. Okay. Um, and, and I don't think it's because Joe's a nine. Okay. <laughs> but nine is my favorite number. And I, the reason is, and I get so frustrated with him. You know, I start the book with a story about Which I him as a nine that just makes me crazy. But I'm pretty uh, whipped up a lot. You know, I'm pretty intense about things and about loving and about all of that. And Joe's just so laid back. Nines are laid back. Yeah. They're just so laid back. You know, I'm doing an intensive right now. And that's three full days of Enneagram teaching. And... uh I'm doing some panels, which is different numbers answering a question or asking questions to three or four people who are the same number. And those nines are just kind of, yeah, I feel kind of bad about that, but I, I'm getting a little better. You know, they're just, and I would be saying, I feel terrible. I'm so sorry I do that. I've worked so hard to change it. And I, it, it's just, uh, yeah. Uh huh. On the other hand, uh, nines tell me that they really struggle with the challenge they have because their desire mm -hmm. is to be unaffected by life. That's what their passion's about. Uh -huh. Sloth is all about. It's not about laziness. It's about a desire to be unaffected yeah. by life. 
and they have to get over that. So what I envy in nines is something that they've got to quit doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about your number for a minute. Okay. Can I? Yeah. Are you going to make him cry? No, I don't think so. Okay. I come from a stream of wisdom and teachers who believe that a large part of the population globally is sixes. And some Enneagram master teachers who are really great at what they do think that it's about 10% in each number. I just don't, I don't think that. Mm -hmm. And I think that the world knows that people who do advertising know somehow, that people who are running for office somehow know that sixes have a lot of anxiety. And so I'm telling sixes that I know well who asked me that I don't think they should watch the news at all. Because in our world right now, right this minute, in our world, in Texas, and in our culture, there's fear everywhere. People are being manipulated with fear. There's fear everywhere. And when you see in a way that you're kind of scanning the horizon for danger, you don't have to do much scanning these days because it's just popping up. Worry about this. Be afraid of this. Be careful about this. Six is my age. Get a telephone call a day that says, bathroom danger. You better get a walk-in bathtub. Mm. You better wear something around your neck because you're going to fall and lay there and die. Nobody's ever going to know. We're sorry you can't hear anymore, so that's why we're talking so loud to you. It's just constant bombardment Mm -hmm. of fear. And I don't know what's countering that. But the only people who can counter it is sixes. Mm. You know, it's interesting because I find myself sometimes not wanting to watch the news because I don't want to know about it. Yeah. But I thought that I was maybe lazy. I didn't want to be educated. I don't want to care about certain issues. But I think maybe I'm protecting myself. Absolutely. You know, Um, and so I'm trying to find that balance as well as how do I care about issues without having to watch CNN all day long about the tragedy just this week in Texas on the border, you know, and so. So you don't. So here's what you do. You find one moderate news source and you have it come to your phone every day. And don't scan all of them. Yeah. I need that. That's interesting. Okay. Just find a, a, a non-polarized news source. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. Right. And then have that report to you on your phone every day what's important. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do that. I think it's why I enjoy, I enjoy listening to The Daily so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard about it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it because I do feel as though I'm getting educated yep. and I'm not just this uneducated American who doesn't care about anything. Right. But yet I don't have to. My emotions don't. See, that's where I'm like, well, maybe my emotions need to be stirred, but I get nervous when they do. Okay, see, I'm having, this has turned into a counseling session for Jamie and her six. That's all right. It's for all sixes who are listening. Yeah. Right? So Mm -hmm. you're doing a public service. Public service. And most of them might be sixes if they are. A a lot could be. That's right. So you're thinking dominant, but you're also thinking repressed as a six. So that means that you take in information with thinking, but you don't use productive thinking to process that information. So what I'm offering you is a way to use productive thinking instead of getting all this scattered emotional stuff going on to process the information that you've taken in so that you can know what you believe and most importantly, so that you can trust your own thinking. Mm -hmm. That's what it is too. Okay, which two numbers work best together? Any two that are healthy. Okay. And would you say the same for which two don't work best together? No. Oh, you have an answer for that? I do. Okay, what is that? I have an answer for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's accurate. (laughs) Um, I think the most challenging place on the Enneagram is two fours, putting a four with a four. And the reason for that is that fours uh, manage their safety and manage their belief that they're flawed in some way by doing a thing that we call push-pull in relationships. So they kind of pull you in, but then they're afraid they're going to lose you, so they push you away. And they're afraid then that you don't know how much they love you and that they're going to lose you, so they pull you in again. And in my experience working with couples, it's very, very difficult for two fours. Because they're doing that same dance Mm -hmm. to each other. That's it. And so difficult to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I think they can do it, but I just think that's the hardest spot. Yeah. I'm thinking when we're talking about, you know, 
numbers together and marriages and stuff, it feels as though, and you're probably going to say, duh, this is what I do. It feels as though this would be a really good first start in premarital and then in, oh crap, we're not getting along after these 10 years. All of a sudden it's hard. Do you see that happen a lot? Because I don't think I've heard of this in premarital and it should be. Yeah. My husband uses it all the time. And the people on the staff of the church where he serves are starting to use it. It's growing, but everybody wants a shortcut. So they want to take the test, find out their number. And then use it in premarital counseling. And what if the test is wrong? Uh, Yeah, then you've... Then where are you? And then you have all these assumptions about one another based on a little bit of Enneagram information. Mm -hmm. So I I think if people want to do a premarital weekend... You got to do the work. And have somebody who knows how to teach the Enneagram Mm -hmm. come in and teach it orally then you've got something to work with. You know, it makes me think, because when you were speaking earlier about your this week weekend long intensive yeah. of going through all of the numbers, my first thought is, well, I just need to show up for the six. Why do I need to be there for all of it? Yeah. I'm sure everyone thinks that, right? No. Most people show up for their spouse. Oh, like I need to be there for the three because I need to learn about Aaron. No, you need to be there for all nine numbers. But what I'm saying is most people don't say, I'm going to come just for me. They say, you know, my husband's a five and I'm going to come and see if I can help him. Okay. Yeah. And then you figure out, oh, I'm helping my, I need some help. Well, everybody in the room is trying, isn't, you know, I don't just work with couples. The book isn't written that way. I'm talking about all relationships. relationships that's right. All yes. Of them. I thought of it even on my work team. The two Absolutely. girls that work with me, Lindsay's here and then Amanda, they're both threes. Right. And so I, it even made me think, and my husband's a three. I'm like, I'm surrounded by these threes and I wanted to be a three and I'm not. Yeah, I'm um, going to do a big event. I, it might be in February. I don't know. You can check our website. Okay. Everything's at SuzanneStabile.com. But I'm going to do a big Know Your Number event here in Austin <gasps> sometime in the... I'm okay, well, let us know how we can help. Coming up. And, all right, yes, we'll do it. I'm serious. And then you can come hear all the numbers. Now, the people who are with me this weekend had to already know their number. Okay. We're doing... A relationships intensive. Okay. And it's intense. Mm-hmm. So tell me this. I mean, just to kind of take that out of our brain, why do I need to know all the numbers? Well, you'll do fine not knowing. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just curious because, yeah, you, you know, don't my need brain to know. says, See, oh, I just want to come for the six. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 but, no. Yeah, no. That's not okay. Tell me why. <laughs> well, because... Just knowing yourself and how you see the world and how you I react. I need to know about people around me. Absolutely. Yes. You and I, in my age group, because of traditional roles of women, you and I would appear to be kind of the same number until there's some good teaching. Because women my age, who are sixes, adopted the role of twos. Gotcha. Right? hmm And you can't fix relationships by working with only one person with only in yourself. the relationship. Uh-huh. It doesn't work. Yeah. Because there's no response to your work that's any different than the way things were before. Yeah. Is it true that I read somewhere that a lot of Christian women will test as a two? Um, I feel sure that's true. I, I don't. Okay. I can't okay. prove that and I don't know that. But twos are easily described and seen as the traditional mm-hmm. woman's role. Yeah. I know some uh, astonishing women who are not twos, who are Christians. Mm -hmm. What are all your kids? My oldest is an eight. Okay. And she's a girl. And that's Joey. Jenny's next and she's a nine. Joel's next and he's a seven. BJ's next and he's a four. Isn't it just so, this is also, and we don't have time to go there, but, and maybe your daughter who's putting out this material, it's so interesting for children growing up in the same home, in the same environment, can be so intensely different. And I see that with my kids. They are so different. It's just not even funny. And they have the same parents. Well, well, granted, they don't all have my DNA. Right. And Enneagram number is primarily determined by genetic predisposition. But it doesn't mean that they'll be the number that their parents are. That is so interesting. Yeah. So, and then environment contributes a For lot sure. to uh-huh. how you behave in that number. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting having kids through adoption to think through that lens sure, as well. Absolutely. And and so rules for the household don't work because you have all these different responses to the rules. So the whole the whole idea that we can raise children and treat them all exactly the same that's that's a job nobody should sign up for. That became reality for our home when our kids joined our family through adoption. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we're like 
oh, they don't respond. They don't do the same that right. this other quote unquote typical child joined our family through. We saw that really early on. Yeah. Um, and we still feel that. And I think sometimes my kids will respond, well, that's just not fair. I get, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not fair. And, you know, life's not fair. But yeah, but it's just. It, there you go. That's it. That's true. <laughs> true or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Um, Suzanne, what are you reading these days? Well, um, I have June off. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read whatever I want Good to. Good for you. What I've read recently that I'm really taken with is a book by Thomas Friedman, uh, the title of which is Thank You for Being Late, and a book by a guy named Kurt Thompson, titled The Soul of Shame. I think that might be one of the most important books I've ever read. Wow. I'm a fan of Andrew Solomon, and I read a book a long time ago that he wrote, the title of which is Far From the Tree, about uh, children who are different from their parents. And I'm going to reread that. I need to I read think. that right now. Yeah, you do. Thank you for that. It's a big book, okay. but it it's not a you don't have to read it all at once and it's divided into sections so you can read different pieces mm-hmm. of it and it's meant to be read that way. Um, you do need to read that. I book. do need to read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the month of June, will you read fiction? Uh, I'll probably read memoir. Okay. That's what you love. Yeah. That I is what I love. To you. I'm going to turn in a proposal for a new book at the end of the month and I'm going to start reading for that. Can you give us anything about it? It's going to be great. <laughs> Best thing you've ever written? Uh, I don't know. Just say yes. Path between us is pretty good. Yes, it is. I, I um, it's going to be deeper than that, okay. and I and I think the path between us is. Uh, I think the road back to you is a really good primer. I think the path between us is a response to something that we all need, and I think it's accessible for everybody. It I'm really very is. proud of it. You should be very proud of it. It is. It feels like a book that I will go back and reference yeah. often. I hope so. And so I'm even, I uh, read it last weekend on the plane and I'm going to have my husband read it as well. Just, and you know, he leads a huge team. And so I think it's really even good for him to see, here are the people that I am most, that I work with the most. What mm-hmm. are they and how do we, yes, it's yeah. Yeah. so good. There are people uh, uh, in our, in life in the Trinity ministry who like to teach in corporate America and who do know, know, know your number work, you know, mm-hmm. so just, don't take a shortcut. Do the work. Do the work. And when you say that, you mean dive in. I mean, find somebody who teaches it orally. At the very least, read. Don't take a test. When can we, I mean, you're doing an intensive this weekend. You're taking the month of June off. Yeah. How can I send out your teaching? Just find it on your webpage where you're going to be. Uh, well, there's all kinds of ways. So because you've you've convinced me to come sit under somebody's teaching instead good. of just reading the book, so I'm Gosh. in. Well, I I hope it's mine. I'd love to have you I there. I would love it. If you go to suzannestabile.com, we have availability through Life in the Trinity Ministry. Okay. So basically, if we want to hear your teaching, go to your webpage. Yeah, you have MP3s that we can download and listen to. Either you can get all the numbers, or you can get your own particular number. Um, and then in July, I hear you're doing a live stream teaching. Yeah, I'm so glad my only role is to stand up and talk or sit down and talk. And that I have good people around me who handle all of the technology. Uh, they're just doing such a good job. It makes that. me happy. I love it. Well, it's good because it's there's a need, you said right now, that yeah. this is in high demand. Um, and for us to get the access to that. But you will see me in the next year. I'll wave to you. From the audience, and I want—I want to be—I want to be under your teaching. Well, I want you to be, and when you wave, I'm just going to come hug you because that's <laughs> kind of who I am. I know what numbers not to hug, but yours isn't one of them. Who so do you not hug? You don't hug fives. You don't hug fives. No, and you don't hug eights. Okay, who loves a hug? Me. <laughs> you? I'm a hugger. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I hugger. meet people. I'm a hugger. Yeah, me too. But uh, there are numbers that doesn't really work at all for. That is so funny. Yeah. My daughter, uh, who's an eight, 
did a little bit of teaching with me on Friday, and it was very helpful to the other female eights in the room. And one uh, woman came up to her who's not an eight and said, that was so helpful. Can I hug you? And Joey said, no, no, I don't hug. <laughs> and she well, didn't see, feel bad about it either, no, did she? No, she didn't. Yeah. And when you know the Enneagram, the other person doesn't feel bad either. Uh-huh. And when you don't know it, then you walk away You're and embarrassed say, and you feel she's, that she's mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. So helpful. Yeah, it is. Sometimes you, I bet you would want to walk into a I mean, a new surrounding, be like, I, this is what I am. So here's why I'm going to react this way when you do this. Yeah. You know, at our center in Dallas, my husband does a lot of spiritual practices work there and kind of a deep dive with spiritual disciplines. And we do a lot of Enneagram work there. And people come into our center from all over the country for an event. And they don't talk about sports or the weather or what they do for a living. They walk in the door and tell you their name. And the first question is, what's your number? And as soon as people answer that, then it's a different conversation. Mm. And then all the lighter conversation comes later after they've kind of established who they are in terms of the Enneagram. It's it's a very interesting inversion to watch. Well, Suzanne, this has been a joy to sit down and um, chat with you. I will admit, I told my friend Lindsay, I was a little bit nervous only because of just respect. Like, I just admire your work so much. And I was not nervous after the first minute. So oh, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty approachable, interested human. Like, I don't think we should be nervous about meeting each other, any of us. You and I have a public space, which would make people maybe feel a little angst about meeting us. But we wouldn't have a public space without them. Without them. So it's like, what's that about? <laughs> People say to me all the time, like, is it weird I know so much about you? I'm like, yeah. it would be weird if I didn't tell you that. That's right. But I told you. That's and right. Or can I say, hi, I just love your show. Yes, because if yes. you didn't listen, I don't have a job. Yeah, my my children think it's a little weird that so many people know so much about them. Yeah, that's mine me. too as well. <laughs> yes, for yeah, sure. But I, I, I think people are all approachable. If you know the Enneagram and you know how to approach them, right? Don't hug an eight. And you don't have to know they're an eight to know that you don't just hug people. You don't have to know what number somebody is to watch them for a few minutes before you just think, okay, well, I like hugging, so, so do you, right? Uh Uh-huh. Do you find yourself as being this master teacher when you're having conversation with someone and you're not at a conference, you're not at a teaching, Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. just meeting somebody, are you already saying, I know what their number is? No. Good. I would not give myself that permission ever. That's good because I'm sure that'd be a temptation. I mean, with sure. all the work that you've sure, done. Sure, it is a temptation, but it would make a lie out of what I believe to be true that people have to figure out their own number and that I have no idea what motivates you to do what you do. Because I could present you with whatever I wanted to present yeah, you absolutely. with. Absolutely. So true. I think that's why people have that don't know me that well have said, I think you're a three because they'll only see an outward. They might see me what I be successful or do this or whatever, but they don't see what's motivating me behind anything I'm doing. And basically I'm always fearful that my job's going to go away and that no one's going to listen anymore. Mm -hmm. And why? see, I am so motivated by fear and you have taught me this. So you got to do some stress and security work because um, six goes to three in stress and six goes to nine in security. And so what, what happens to you when you're stressed is you do a lot of things fast and you try to accomplish a lot and you very lightly, I'm going to use the word manic, but I'm, I'm not very lightly. There's a, a manic sense of I've got so much to do and I have to get it done. And I have to get it done now. And it's so different from you as a six. So people who encounter you when you're stressed would think think that that you're maybe this has been phenomenal and I'm going to tell everyone where they can find you and just I want to encourage people to do the work as well I'm I'm one toe into the work and especially after sitting down with you for an hour I'm going to dive in some more and really try to figure out to know myself so that I can work better in a work relationship work better in my relationships at home and be a better mama too to my babies so Sure. You know, you could take a test and maybe know where, who you are, but a lot of people have a commute and you can listen to a number one a day for nine days on an MP3 and then have heard it all and really know. Or uh, if you're a runner, you can do that while you mm-hmm. exercise. Yeah. There's no reason to take a shortcut with something that could be so valuable. Yeah. 
And your podcasts. Yeah. You know, not yeah. only that, but so great. So helpful and great. Yes. <laughs> I'm just From kidding. one podcast to another. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is. So yeah. thank you for that. Thank you for all the work you're doing. Thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. Guys, don't forget that Third Love is passionate about the perfect fit, and they believe it's time for your bra to fit you, not the other way around. Their collections are designed by women for women so that you will love the way you feel under each and every look. And now they offer over 70 sizes and more than a dozen styles, so you will find the perfect bra for every moment and every outfit. Get 15% off your first purchase by going to thirdlove.com slash Jamie today. Okay, guys, so if you've ever met me at an event anywhere in your life, you have been hugged by me. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. And if you're an eight, I want to publicly apologize to you. I'm sure that I have overstepped my boundaries in our relationship. You guys, I love this show. I told you that I did. If you want to check out her books, I have all the links up on my webpage, jamieivy.com slash blog. You'll find Suzanne's episode there, plus every episode we've ever done. All the show notes are there, which include any coupons from our advertisers. It includes any books that we talked about, any links that you might need to know are right over there on my blog. It's an easy and great place for you to track all of those things down. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is my friend, Jessica Honiger. We sat down this week and chatted and it is a great conversation. You're going to really, really love it. Guys, enjoy your week. Share this show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you guys back here next week with my friend, Jessica Honiger. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.